0: Oh, it's great to be with you. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence. And I want to begin just by asking you if there is a part of you that you need to come alive again. Like if there's some identifiable place in you that you know has been dying, or you might even feel like uh, the light has flickered all the way out. Perhaps a dream that was burning bright at one point that now uh, has smoldered to the ground maybe a key relationship for you that turns out wasn't a key relationship to someone else, and now it feels like a death inside of you. I know some of us have encountered grief this year like we've never encountered it before, and it it almost feels like a dying inside even though the death happened outside of our bodies. Some of you may feel like, I just have nothing left for people right now. So if there's some part of you where you're like, I feel like I'm losing something, some of us may say, I feel like I'm losing it. I have a more important question for you, and that is, would you like to be born again? Would you like to come alive again? Would you like to have those parts of you that, that you thought were gone away forever sort of rustle up and find breath and find life again in you? Would you be up for something like that, to, to actually live again? If this has been a tough time for you, would you be up for uh, a born again moment to actually uh, go back into the womb? Are you up for labor (laughs) again to live? Breaking open is the way that we are talking about this life changing moment. And it occurs when instead of merely breaking down because of all this stuff, you remain open instead, open to God open to other people, open to the possibility of something new happening in you, open open to a full transformation of your life that's actually life again. So I don't know where you're at, but if you approach this video or this worship service today and you're really tired or really broken or really numb, breaking open is the way for you. And if you approach today and you're like, that's not me, I'm expectant, I'm hopeful, maybe you got up today and you're like, this is a good day, this is the day I want to encounter, then breaking open is the way for you. For a moment, I want to speak to a group of people I know you're watching, and you've come to this place in your life, and you're like, I didn't know I would come here, but I'm at this spot where I want what Jesus wants, and that alone. Like, you've just come to this spot, you were expecting, you're like, I really want what Jesus wants, I want to give all of my life to him, then I want to tell you about the Jesus way, which clearly involves breaking, breaking open, breaking open for the whole wide world. So today what I want to do is walk you through some verses in the book of John. We'll be in, the first, uh, book, be in chapter 3, and then a little bit later in a few minutes we'll be in chapter 19 if you have a Bible and want to look at that. They'll all be here on the screen for you. And John is in the New Testament of the Bible, so that's sort of the second half-ish of the Bible. The the New Testament starts with these four books that are called, uh, in the progression you may recognize, they're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's how the New Testament starts. And those books uh, were written by people who bear those same names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in them is where we learn about the story of Jesus. It's where we're told all about Jesus' life. That's where you find those birth stories of Jesus and and uh, what he did with the disciples. And clearly, uh, we're told about his breaking open moments uh, on the cross and then the tomb that was uh, broken open on Easter Sunday. And if you look at them, those four books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to me, they all seem to fit together, those three books. And people who study them, they, they say that they come from a similar place. Actually, a similar source is found for Matthew, Mark, and Luke, so I like to think of Matthew, Mark, and Luke like as if they were uh, in the books, as if they were brothers. <laughs> and if that's the case, if Matthew, Mark, and Luke are brothers, then John, the next book, is like their intense cousin who just comes to visit every once in a while. Now, it's just my opinion, but I've read these books hundreds of times. And when I get to John, he writes with an intensity and a focus, as if he really has something he wants to tell us about. And it's really clear what it is. He wants to tell us all about Jesus. When you read the pages of John, actually, it's like when you read the very words of John, it's as if he's saying, I met Jesus. I encountered him. He he says, Jesus loved me. In fact, John self-refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. That's his identity. He's like, Jesus loved me and Jesus loves you. And he's like, I really want to tell you about him. I want to tell you about who he really is, what he really said, and what he really meant by the things that he said and did. Now, when John wrote his account, he didn't separate it out into chapters like we have today. We're going to look at chapter 3 and chapter 19. He just wrote it out. He just wrote his story, his experience of Jesus. So later, some people came in and made chapters and verses, so we'd have better handholds and better be able to talk about it. But one of the most famous stories in the whole Bible, and at least the most famous line in the whole Bible, is found in John's writing in chapter three. And we'll get to that famous line in a moment, but I wanna start at the beginning of chapter three. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, some of you have been with me before and we've talked about this man, but for some of you, you're hearing this name for the first time, Nicodemus. It's a great name. Uh, it's not too common in naming kids right now, but it's a good one. Uh, so hold on to it today, the name of Nicodemus. And what I always like to remember about Nicodemus is found in this line right here, is that he was a member Now, I don't have time to tell you all the things, and I don't know all the things about what it means to be a Pharisee or a part of this Jewish ruling council, but I want all of us as we're listening to get the picture that Nicodemus was a member. He was in, he was a part of all that was going on in what we would call the church. They didn't have that name yet, But to use our terms, Nicodemus was a member of the church. He was way in. He was a member of the religious people, a member of the religious practices. He went to the religious schools, and now he sat on the highest court of the religious people. I mean, if anybody was a member, Nicodemus was a member. Verse two says, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus, in John's story up to this point, so in John chapter 1 and chapter 2, has basically done two notable things. And it's important to understand. The first is, at the end of a killer wedding party, when the wine had run out, Jesus, under the instruction of his mother, turned six stone water jars, 30 gallons each, into six stone wine barrels, 30 gallons each. Like, if you had this buddy in college, he would be a legend. And Jesus goes down in Capernaum party legend as the guy, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, who brought the best wine at the end of the shindig. The second thing that Jesus has done up to this point in John chapter 3 is he comes into Jerusalem, makes a whip out of cords drives out the people who are in the temple court selling cows, sheep, and doves. He turns their tables over and he tells them to get out of his father's house because it was never meant to be a marketplace. It's supposed to be a place for prayer. The religious folks who are there say to him, this guy who's trying to change their economy and change their marketplace system in the temple, which is a holy place, They say to Jesus, who are you to come in here and change this? Jesus has an interesting answer. He says, tear the temple down. I'll build it back in three days. Now, keep in mind, it has taken 46 years for them to build the temple. And Jesus says, this thing falls down, I'll raise it up in three days. It doesn't go over well. So Jesus, I'm sure, has done a bunch of other stuff in his 30 years up to this point. But all that we know really in the first chapter and second chapter of John is he gathered some guys around him. He turned a bunch of water into wine and people thought it was super cool. And he turned over the tables in the temple and stirred up the religious people. That's when Nicodemus shows up. Remember Nicodemus, a member. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night And most people make the assumption that Nicodemus, who was the eventual part of the group who publicly criticized Jesus and had his execution come to fruition, that he comes nighttime meeting to be sort of under the radar, incognito, to ask Jesus some questions. Nicodemus, in this moment, clearly is seeking. Uh, Here's what a seeker says. A seeker says, I don't understand everything that's going on. Uh, A seeker says, I wasn't brought up in this. I don't know what you're talking about why did you make more wine? Why'd you turn the tables over? The whip, what was that about? Nicodemus is saying, I don't really know who you are, Jesus, but I'm drawn to you. Nicodemus catches our attention because what we see in him is someone who was already in. He was a member, but he was also seeking. He'd been to Sunday school, but he still hadn't found what he was looking for. I love this. You can be a member and a seeker. We've talked about this a bunch because it's sort of what our church is about. At Providence Church, we're relentlessly committed to the person who's seeking, the one who feels disconnected from all this, the one who's like, what are y'all talking about? The one who's like, how do you make sense of this Jesus? The person who feels disconnected from the church, disconnected from God, that's our passion. It's our focus. I received a note from someone this week who watches online who says, I feel really lost, but I'm drawn to the Jesus you're talking about. I responded, keep asking the questions keep seeking. I got another email from someone last week in another state. And he said, I had lost my faith, but I found it again in Jesus. So cool. People are still seeking Jesus. Some of you watching right now, you're like, I'm seeking. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm somehow drawn. Why am I watching this video? Why am I taking this time? But I learned uh, early on that it doesn't mean there has to be a seeker church and a member church somewhere else. I don't think there should be a seeker church and an expert church down the road that you graduate to when you get smart enough. I think members should also be seekers, and seekers should become members about as quick as you can. Let's take on as many barriers down as we can and let you get in. This means, uh, here's what I've learned, it means members have to loosen their preferences all the time and They do it joyfully because they love seeing the seeker seek and find, and they know themselves that they're still seeking. They're still carving out times in the night to come to Jesus and say, oh, I'm still trying to figure this out, Jesus. Who are you again? And, And we come to him because, well, it's hard to explain. We're just drawn to him. So Nicodemus, under the cover of night, because in that religious culture there was no member seeker, it was like you're in or you're out, he comes in this clandestine meeting and he whispers, Rabbi, uh, I know that you're from God. Nobody could do what you do unless you come from God. Nicodemus is actually, in a way, confessing his belief in Jesus before he even knows it. But in, Hera, in Nicodemus saying, we know that you're from God, but we don't know quite know who you are, he's actually kind of saying, can you help me out here? Can you help me in this moment? And here's what Jesus says. He says, very truly I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Hang with me. The next verse says, how can someone be born when they're old? This is Nicodemus, the old guy's question. He says, surely you're not saying they can enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, only because I am a religious teacher, and only because I think I can really relate to Nicodemus. I think that Nicodemus was in the midst of a crisis. I think that for Nicodemus, religion wasn't all working for him, but he'd heard about Jesus, maybe even seen Jesus. He'd given his life to religion. He was a member, but he needed something new. I think that something was dying on the inside of Nicodemus. And that he was looking for a breakthrough. I think that it's possible Nicodemus was facing breakdown. And I'm going to tell you why I'm making this assumption. I don't think I'm just pulling it out of the air. Because two things, the thing Jesus says Nicodemus needs is a new birth. So he encounters God and, and he says to him, you need a new start. You need to be born again. You need a whole new life. Verse three, it says you can't see God unless you're born again. And if you were to back up, if you're holding uh, your Bible and you're looking at chapter 3, if you look one verse up, remember, John didn't put verses. John didn't make chapters. He didn't make a break here. But we have a break between chapter 2, verse 25, and chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 25 says, He, Jesus, did not need any testimony about humankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus knew Nicodemus' heart when he showed up in the night the old religious guy. Jesus looked right inside of him. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. And he said, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. You've got to come alive again. There's some things in you that have to wake up. There's some things that have to be stirred. There's some things that have to break, even break open. And Jesus is inviting old Nicodemus, the religious guy, to a new birth. A new way, like a baby coming into the world naked and afraid and crying, but the crying is breathing again. Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to that, and that's why I think Nicodemus came at night, because if he didn't encounter Jesus, he knew everything was going to break down for him. He knew he was at a spot. It, he saw in Jesus this power a power he had never seen before, water into wine. He saw in Jesus an authority that was more authority than any authority he'd ever been in. And he'd been around all the authorities. You're turning over tables in the temple. Nicodemus knew he needed something. But when Jesus said to him, you're gonna have to be born again, old religious man. Nicodemus said, how can I do that when I'm so old? He was probably 40. He says, he says, how can I do that? And it's the same question we ask. It's the same question we ask. We say, I've got too many wrinkles. I have too many miles under my belt. You may not be old, but you would say, I've got too much buildup, too much stuff, too, much thing, too many things that would have to change for me to be born again. And Jesus begins to explain to Nicodemus that what he is talking about is not bound by physical limitations or time constraints. He's like, oh, Nicodemus, <laughs> you're looking at it the totally wrong way, man. You're saying you're too old. That's not it. Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about a physical rebirth, but a spiritual one. And the things of the spirit are not bound by the same boundaries of the physical. Nicodemus says, you want me to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus is like, for real? No, I don't want you to go back in your mother's womb, you weirdo. He's like, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. I'm talking about something spiritual here, man. Look above. You've read all the books. You've studied. You've been in all the meetings. You rule on the court. I'm talking about something spiritual. I'm talking about the real power in our story, Jesus is saying. Oh, goodness, he's saying, I'm inviting you through the Spirit, to come alive again? Do you want to be born again? For those dying dead parts to, to, to be birthed in your life? And I don't want to get weird or graphic like Nicodemus does, but the birth that Jesus is wanting to give us is as dramatic as the breaking open of our physical birth in the womb. Remember our physical birth. It involves crying and pain and water and blood. And our new birth in the Spirit, oh my goodness, will include crying and pain and water and blood. We'll get to that as we journey towards the cross, moments where Jesus offers us his broken body in our hands, his blood to drink. But here's what I want you to see today on the breaking open journey. Real simple. For Nicodemus to hear this word, He had to go visit Jesus at night. He wasn't going to be heard in his normal spots and all those routines. Nicodemus had to find some space to be able to encounter and hear from Jesus. And the first step in breaking open is actually just creating some space in your life. To encounter the real Jesus, you got to have some space. That may be the space of this moment. What we usually think about for a life change, or I do, is increasing the pace. All right, I'll pick it up a little bit. I'll work harder. I'll, I'll go more. But instead, it's not that way at all. We instead have to create space. This may be the most difficult and most ignored step, but without it, no healing, no new birth. So Nicodemus had to cancel a meeting that night or skip out on a couple episodes of whatever he was watching. You know, He had to make some space. He had to say, I'm going to sneak and go and try to talk to Jesus tonight. And that's all I want to invite you to do during this message. I want you to think about where do you need to create some space so you can encounter Jesus. I'm not asking you to figure out how to balance all the stuff in your life, how to get everywhere and get everything done. In fact, I think the balanced life thing is a lie, killing a bunch of Americans. I don't know if you've heard of it, this balanced life. and the balanced life, you have to have time for everyone and everything because, well, you got it all balanced out. A person like you And like me, who has relationships and passions and responsibilities and needs some help with some stuff and needs some healing, uh, you're not going to find the fulcrum (laughs) to keep it all steadily balanced out. And when we buy the lie of a balanced life, we're constantly frustrating and we're constantly frustrating other people. We're worn out and we're heading towards, guess what, breakdown. But the good news of Jesus is you weren't made to live a balanced life, you weren't made to go so fast to get everywhere and appease everyone. The best thing you can do in your pursuit of Jesus is uh, come to a breaking point where you break open and you say, you know what? I can't be with everybody, but I'm going to be with you in this moment, Jesus. I'm going to be really present with you. And and when you say, I can't be with everyone, then suddenly you have these opportunities to be really present to the people that you want to be open to, that you need to be open to. Somehow we get it mixed up and we're trying to open up to all these people and we remain closed off to the people that we're closest to. When we begin to tell some obligations, no, for now, we can find that we can really rest in Jesus. So you have permission to let some folks down or you'll stay down. Breaking open, it's about space, not faster pace. And in fact, the next four weeks, we're gonna be looking at some elements of what it means to break open with Jesus. Each one of them will intentionally involve you going to visit Jesus rather than something else, you making some space for him, creating that in your life. Jesus tells Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, which is a story that Nicodemus would have known. It's from the back half, the Old Testament of the Bible, but Nicodemus would have known it inside and out what, what would happen there. He said, so just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. This is member language, uh, but Nicodemus would have understood that there was this time where Moses lifted up a snake and the people could see it, and so he's saying the son of man, which is code word for the Messiah, the one who's going to save the new king, he has to be lifted up in the same way, and when that happens, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus says, if you have the space to see me, Nicodemus, if you can look above the physical, the flesh there, and look up to the spirit, you'll see the son of man, You will uh, see him lifted up in your life. You will believe in him and you will live. But I have to ask myself, do I even have the space to lift my head and see Jesus? So Nicodemus' life changed. I really believe that. Nicodemus was born again because he chose to go meet with Jesus rather than go meet with a bunch of other things. Uh, I'll I'll close this out in just a few minutes, but why do I think Nicodemus' life changed? Uh, The evidence in this story is so cool. As we, if we go towards the back of John's story, remember John's just writing the account. I think he specifically places Nicodemus at the beginning, at the end, to give people like us, member seekers, a clue into how, what this journey will be like for us. And so when you get to the end, Jesus has been handed over, mocked, beaten, stabbed, nails in his hands, lifted up to hang on a cross. And we don't know if Nicodemus was right there. The chances are probably good, but we don't know if he saw Jesus lifted up like that snake Moses lifted up. But No sooner was Jesus dead that we know Nicodemus was there. I'm not joking. I feel certain John placed this so so we could see something. So see if you can see something in the spirit while we talk about this. In John chapter 19, Jesus dies. And then it says later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. We're told who Joseph is. Joseph was a disciple of Jesus but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. And Pilate is the one who sentenced Jesus to death. And so with Pilate's permission, he, Joseph, came and took the body away. And then look, look, verse 39. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. In case you forgot, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. The one thing John wants us to remember about Nicodemus is that he came and found and sought out Jesus in the night. Nicodemus, the old religious guy, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, and taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And Nicodemus took the one who had hung in public disgrace. He took his body in his hands, the dead, bruised, battered body of Jesus. And he tenderly wrapped Jesus' body with spices, and then he took strips of linen and he covered his body, which was the custom for a member. And then Nicodemus and Joseph rolled a stone in front of the tomb. My reading of this story leads me to believe that Nicodemus later, a few days later, would have heard the stone has been rolled away. My imagination, which God is asking me to make bigger, leads me to think the one who put Jesus in the tomb might have gone to look at the tomb for himself (laughs) and find it empty. Don't know. It's very possible, though, very possible, that since Nicodemus was hanging with Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus. It's very possible that Nicodemus, too, could have been hiding out in one of the rooms with the disciples when Jesus came and walked through the locked doors and showed his friends that he indeed was not dead. No, something had happened that had never happened before. Jesus was born again. He did not re enter the womb as Nicodemus uh, suspected, but instead, Jesus entered the tomb of death, devastation. His second birth was not one of water, but of the Spirit. The Spirit woke up Jesus' bones. The Spirit made blood that was stagnant in his veins start running again. And he got up and walked into the light. This is a crazy story. It is the foundation of the Christian faith. And some of you, while you're hearing it, are like, oh my goodness, I believe it. And I imagine that Nicodemus could have actually seen Jesus die and touch his dead body and then see Jesus reborn and touch his body alive. Jesus says, very truly, Nicodemus, I tell you, no one will see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. I don't know about you. I want to be a member. (laughs) I want to grow every day. I want to come every week. I want to study the scriptures, even the hard ones. I want to hear the stories over and over again. I want my burial to be a Christian burial with the rituals that go go with it. And I never want to stop seeking him. Oh man, I don't know. I want to be born again. I know there are a bunch of members watching this who are still seeking. You've been faithful during these months of pandemic. You've been in this a long time, but something's happened to you in the midst of this where some things have felt like they were dying. Now they're coming alive again. And I want to ask you, members, do you want to be born again? And some of you watching have not yet had the chance to meet you. You've never come in these doors, and a bunch of you never will. It's okay, but you're seeking. You're seeking. Why are you watching this? Why did you hang on? This sermon's a little bit longer than usual. Why are you here at the end? It's because you're seeking Jesus. And so I want to ask you, do you want to be born again? Again, Do you want some dead things in you to come alive? Well, listen to John's conclusion from the Nicodemus story in John chapter three. I got us right up to it. John's conclusion, the guy who loved Jesus and whom Jesus loved. John's conclusion to Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, he gave all of them, that whoever believes in him won't die, but will live. The most famous verse in the Bible is about Nicodemus, who decided to go the way of Jesus even when all those around him went a different way. Why did Nicodemus do that? He wanted to be born again. He wanted his heart to come alive. He wanted his lungs to be kick-started. He wanted to breathe, and it involved crying and pain and holding the body of Jesus in his hands, but he got to see the resurrected Jesus in his life, and we do too. We're on a journey, guys. We're walking towards the cross, and where we're gonna end is at a tomb that's not just empty. Walking around in the garden is the one who loves us and the one who can do that work in us. So if you want to be born again today, I just want to give you that opportunity. If you want to say yes to Jesus, we have a way that you can do that. You can just text "say yes" to the number 31996. If you text us that, one of our pastors will receive that, and we're going to follow up with you and just talk about what it means to be born again. If you're you're looking uh, and wondering about baptism, you can be a part of the water coming over you. We'd love to talk to you about that. So old religious people, if you want to say yes to Jesus today, text say yes to 31996. Seekers, if this is your moment, only you know it, you can text say yes to 31996. Let's come to Jesus. Let's come to this water that he's given to us. Let's come. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We need him. There's only one place we can go. It is to the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen.